Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk and daily faith in Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. So over the last few weeks, we've been talking about this theme or this uh, kind of category of identity. It's not necessarily been a sermon series per se, but we've been talking about a lot on the theme of identity. And if there is one struggle that I believe every human for all existence and all of history have struggled with, it's probably this theme of identity. I think everybody in the room and everybody at home would probably agree that at some point in your life, you've struggled with identity. For all of history, it's affected it. We believe, who we believe we are completely affects every single part of our life, okay? Who you believe you are affects every part of your life. Whether you consciously realize it or not, it will affect your health. Who you believe you are will affect your health. It will affect your relationships. It will affect your career and your job and your position. And it definitely will, it will affect your way and ability to make decisions, who you believe you are, your identity affects every aspect of your life, even when you don't know it. So today, I want us to begin by asking this question, and the whole sermon, the whole talk this morning is themed around this question, and if you're going to take notes or write anything down, this is where you start, by asking the question, who am I? That's the question we're going to try and answer today, and I, I don't want to lead us down the idea that after 30 minutes we're going to have it all figured out, but I believe that God's word speaks specifically to this question, who am I? So keep that in mind as we go through this morning. I want to start with a story, and I want anybody in the room or at home, um, if you're not an adolescent anymore, a teenager, I want you to think back to when you were, and I want you to ask this question, what did you want to be when you grew up? Like, can you think back, like, way back when you were a teenager, what did you want to be when you grew up? Like, maybe when you were a kid, you wanted to be a pilot. You wanted to travel all around the world. Maybe you wanted to be, like, a, an artist. You were a really creative person, and you just had so much creativity. Or maybe you wanted to be a rock star. Like, I remember when I was a kid, this is so embarrassing. My mom would remember this. I, I had this big dresser with a mirror in front of it in my room, and I used to set up all my action figures on the, the lip of it, and I would da grab my dad's guitar that was way too big for me when I was like five years old, and I would turn up Nirvana as loud as I could on my Walkman. Remember Walkmans? <laughs> you know what a Walkman is, right, Sandy? No, you don't. <laughs> and you would have to wear big jeans to be able to fit it in your pocket, and there was no skipping. Like, when you, when you moved, the CD would skip. It was crazy. Anyways, I remember putting the Walkman um, on with Nirvana, cranked, and I just wanted to be a rock star when I was a kid, and I, I would line up, like, Batman and, like, wrestlers, like, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and, like, all these guys, uh, and I would play music to them, pretending like I was Kurt Cobain or something like that. It was crazy. I wanted to be a rock star. I want to ask you the question today. What did you want to be when you were growing up? Or if you're a student or a kid in the room or watching online, ask the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? I think that's really going to help um, start us off on a nice place as we ask this question, who am I? So for one minute, you got one minute, people, the few people in the room and everybody that's watching online, ask one of these two questions. What do you want to be when you grow up? Or what did you want to be when you grew up? Go ahead. you got one minute. Awesome. I remember when I was a kid wanting to be a rock star, but I also remember when I, I was in high school, I was going through the stress of it. 
you know, Sandy, I, I know that you had just graduated high school but a year ago. You're in college now. You just finished your first year of Bible college. You know, you, you know the stress. I remember the stress that you're going through. And I don't even want to put it to teenagers, like young students, like Miles and Emma in the room. Like, you guys are, uh, have done school like nobody else has. Like, you're the first generation that's ever had to do this. The stress is real. Like, you're feeling the weight. And for some of us, uh, that might be really easy, and we love online school. For some, it's really difficult. But I remember in high school going through the stress, trying to figure out and answer this question, who am I? And ultimately, I remember feeling actually like a failure. I don't mean to go from one to a hundred real quick, but I remember most of my high school life, I felt like a failure, like I would never be able to conquer my dreams. And even though I didn't think any of the people that were in leadership above me meant any harm, like my guidance counselor or principal or teachers, um, I don't think they meant any harm by what they did, but they stopped believing in me, to, to, put, to put it frankly. I remember sitting in my guidance counselor's office, and they were convincing me just more to show up than they believed in me. And I, I probably should have showed up to high school more than I did. But the, the point is that they verbally told me. I remember. It's like painted in my mind. Carlo, we're not going to try and help you anymore. And I remember that solidified for the time being, this idea that I was a failure and I could never conquer my dreams I felt the stress of trying to figure out that answer to who am I. Now, I know that doesn't paint the picture for every leader or principal or teacher. I mean, there's so many good ones, and I'm so thankful for the teachers, especially right now. I married one. I love teachers, so I'm not trying to say that all teachers are like that. But my experience in high school led me to struggle with the question, who am I? And maybe if, if, if you're past your teenage years, you remember the stress of what you went through with kind of your identity crises in high school. I want to look to God's word this morning. I want to start off in Romans 7. And Paul says this, We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. I can't believe I got through that. <laughs> I need like a little metal. I've never heard a preacher do that before. <laughs> I bet Paul, even when he was writing this, he probably had to like erase it. He was like, ah, that doesn't make sense. This common question of who am I, it, it relates to all of us. And as a Christian, we struggle with what Paul just talked about. This is it. Paul is communicating to his readers a point that is very clear, even though the text seems really confusing. I think his point is that the struggle of sin is real. It's real. You always do what you don't want to do, and what you do is not what... I don't even know how to repeat that. Paul's point here is not that we would try and, like, you know, figure out the puzzle of what he's talking about. I think what he's talking about is the daily struggle back and forth between sin and spirit, between flesh and God's word. When we ask this question, especially as a Christian, who am I, many times what we answer that question with is a result and influenced by our struggle with sin, like what Paul is talking about. When we first think of that question, 
we think about our struggle. Who am I? First thing I want to talk about today is how when you are a Christian, when you put your trust in Jesus, your position changes. Your position changes. If we are fully in person today, and maybe I'll test it out with a few that are in here, and those that are online, I would love for you to still think about this question. I want to ask you this. How many here, if you believe this, I want you to put up your hand. And if you're at home, you can put up your hand too with your family or, or in the chat or whatever. How many here believe today that you are a sinner? Go ahead and put up your hand. Awesome. Now, how many here today think that you are a saint? Go ahead, put up your hand. Awesome. That's totally what I thought was going to happen. <laughs> Many times in conversations with believers and with students as a youth pastor, the answer I find is that most of us answer that question, who am I, in relation to our sin. We go, I am a sinner. And I want to maybe change your mind on that this morning by God's word. And perhaps you feel like this today. You're like, yeah, like I sinned before I showed up to church. Maybe you identify more with the term sinner because of your struggle, of your history, of your experiences, and your present position, or what you believe to be your present position. See, the moment that you expected, or you accepted, sorry, this free gift of grace from God through the work of Jesus, your position changed. When you became a Christian and you put your faith in Jesus, your position from sinner is changed. You're no longer viewed as that anymore. God doesn't see you as a sinner. He actually sees you as a saint. No longer is your identity as a human, a sinner. When you put your trust in Jesus alone, you're actually now viewed as a saint by God. But that's going to lead to this question, which everybody's thinking. But why do I still sin? If I'm not a sinner anymore, why do I still sin all the time, every day? Neil Anderson, the author of Victory Over Darkness, is a, is a book where we're reading through right now, and he says it this way, being a saint who is alive and free in Christ does not mean spiritual maturity or sinlessness, but it does provide the basis for hope and future growth. Our position in Christ is settled, but our daily performance is often marked by personal failure and disobedience that disappoints and disrupts the harmony of our relationship with God. Many, us, many of us know the truth today, the, this gift of grace that was given to us. We, we understand that, but we still struggle with this new identity of saying, yeah, I'm a saint. Like, even those that put up their hand in the room, you kind of felt like awkward. You're like, I don't know. Do I put up my hand? Like, I, I'm not sure. What, what am I supposed to do? Is this a trick question? We know the truth that Jesus saved us from our sin, but we still consider ourselves like our old person. So let's take a little bit of a deeper look into what Jesus actually did to make this possible, to make this position switch for us possible. And let's start at the very beginning of Scripture. Scripture tells us at the beginning that we were dead in our sin or dead in our trespasses. In other words, we were physically alive but spiritually dead. That's a point for you to remember this morning. Before Jesus, when you were born, from the moment you were born, you were physically alive. You had skin and bones and you could breathe, but you were spiritually dead. I was physically alive, but I was spiritually dead. We were separated from God by sin, and we chose to engage in sin because of what the Bible describes as our flesh. Can you say flesh? 
That's the, the, now, this may mean skin and bones at times in Scripture, but more often than not, it's actually referring to a position apart from God, living in the flesh, living over here in the flesh. And because we learn to live our lives in the flesh independently from God, the flesh is self-reliant rather than God-dependent. It is self-centered rather than Christ-centered. Let me read that again. The flesh is self-reliant rather than God-dependent. It is self-centered rather than Christ-centered. Our life, how we live, our decisions is all based around our insecurities, our wants, our needs, our flesh. At salvation, this is where the position changes. You get to hop on the other team. First, your position changes from sinner to saint. But second, sin's grasp on you is actually broken. It's completely broken. This is because you are no longer what the Bible explains as living in the flesh. Instead, you are now living in the spirit. You were born physically alive, but spiritually dead. But when you put your trust in Jesus, he moves you from sinner to saint. He breaks off sins, captives on you, and he actually awakens your spirit. Your spirit becomes alive. And that spirit in you is what helps you. The Holy Spirit who lives inside of you helps you follow God instead of follow your flesh. When you decide to put your trust in Jesus, you are no longer spiritually dead. You are spiritually alive. Paul says it best in Galatians, let me get a drink, 5, 13 to 18. He says this, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For, for, the desires, uh, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. When you are under the law, you are under sin. You are living in the flesh. There's no way that you're not going to break the law. But Jesus fulfilled the law. So you are no longer under that law, and you don't have to live in the flesh anymore. You can actually live in the spirit. And here's the thing. God is not a control freak, okay? God is not a control freak. Through Jesus, he made a way for us. He positions us from sinner to saint. He awakens our spirit and truly makes it alive. But even through all of that change, when you become a Christian, even through all of that change, you still have a choice to make. It's not like all your worries go away. From the beginning of creation, he actually gave us this ability to choose because true love is freedom and not force. I remember a professor in Bible college. You remember Luch, right? He, he, is he still... He's still He's not there anymore? Okay. Either way, he's awesome. And I remember we were taking this class, and we were talking about creation, and he said it this way, and every student in the class went, was like, eyes open. Even the ones that were sleeping were like, eyes open. He said, stop trying to follow the Ten Commandments. Every, every, every you know, wannabe pastor in the room was like, what? What? Stop trying to follow the Ten Commandments. Sometimes we've been taught that you just got to follow and try harder. You just got to follow these rules better. 
Let me paint the picture a little bit different for you with that story. Yes, the Ten Commandments are actually good and healthy for us. But I believe that God told Moses, one of the only people that was truly following him at that time, that wasn't a but about it, was actually these rules, these laws were given to Moses to tell the people of God that you can't do it without me. Try and follow these rules on your own. You will fail. You will sin. So eventually... You know how the story ends. Jesus comes and he fulfills those Ten Commandments. He fulfills the law. So let me take the pressure off a little bit this morning. You stop trying to follow the Ten Commandments on your own. The Ten Commandments is a sign to you to realize how much more you need God than to just try harder. Because we've tried harder, right? We've tried harder over and over again, and it hasn't worked. But when we choose to follow Jesus, something changes. 2 Corinthians 5, 16, 21 says this. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way. We do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. All of this is from God who reconciled us him, himself. Sorry. Uh, all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. That's who you are. As, through, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Maybe let me put it this way with an example. Pretend that today, right now, you are on trial. You broke a law, okay? And at the courthouse, the judge has said that the law that you broke is punishable by death. I know that's extreme. Like, are we going there, Carlo? Yeah, we're going there this morning. You're on trial, okay? And then to the judge, like, sorry, like, the, the law that you broke, it, 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 you have to be put to death, which is crazy. And so a bunch of people that you know that are close to you hear the news. So your best friend runs in the courthouse, says, judge, 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 I, I will take their place. And you're, you're, you're like, oh my gosh, this is my best friend. <laughs> They're willing to take my place. And the judge says, oh, oh, we're looking for you too, actually. Actually, we see that you're, thanks for coming so we don't have to go and, and search for you. We, we found your record. You've actually broken a law too that also says that you require the death sentence. And your friend's like, man, that was a mistake. <laughs> and then your dear old mom walks in and she's, she's in tears. She's so sad to see you in that spot. And you can't believe what your mom's about to do, but your mom does the same thing that your friend does. And he goes, judge, I will take my son or daughter's place. And then the judge, under his breath, goes, I'm really sorry, but you, 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 you can't take their place because we have your record and we've been looking for you too. And, and we see that you've also broken the laws and, and you actually have to pay the same penalty. Okay, this is getting really heavy. I'm just going to apologize. <laughs> this is getting really heavy. And it seems that no matter who walks into the court, nobody can take your place, and everybody has the same justice. And then there's one person that walks in. Happens to be the judge's son. The judge's son walks into the courtroom. You have no idea who the judge's son is. You've never seen him. You've never met him before. But the judge's son walks into the courtroom, 
And he says, hey, dad, I will take their, I'll take all of their places, actually. And you're like, what? what? Like, why? Why me? And so the judge looks at his son's report, and he sees that it's blank. And in fact, he's got a bunch of gold stars because he's never broken the law. And he takes a place for everybody who is on trial. And you got to leave. Now, we know that the judge's son is Jesus, and the judge is God, and you're the one that's on trial. And everybody else around you. And you're like, hey, that's amazing. Yeah, Jesus saved me from, you know, my, my sentence. And you got to go free. Do you know that if you go to prison and you get out of prison, you can still break another law? Like, you can still do something bad that's going to send you into prison again. So this is where the story would continue, is that you were on trial, the judge's son comes and takes your place, and then you stay in connection with him, and you call him every morning, and he gives you some advice on how to live your life so you don't end up in that same place again. This is it. Our position has changed. We're no longer under this death sentence because of the law that was broken. But in freedom, we still have choices to make. This is the struggle that we have when we say, yeah, I'm a sinner. Because you know that you're saved from your sin, but you still struggle with sin. So you don't know how to reconcile the two. Point two I want to talk about today is how your person changes. First, we talked about how your position changes from sinner to saint. Next, I want to talk about how your person changes. When we ask ourselves this question, who am I in light of God's word, we know that we're not sinners, that God sees us as, our saint, as a saint and our positions have changed. But also, along with that, our person needs to be changed. Our position is now changed and how we're viewed, who we're seen as, but now our person has to change. And Paul says this to the early church, Colossians 3, 5 to 10, says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which are all idolatry. But of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Notice how the first section that Paul talks about are like the like sins that you're like, oh, those are like the bad ones, like impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, sexual immorality. And then he also says anger, rage, slander, filthy language. He puts them on the same scale, which is really interesting. If you've ever wondered if one sin is worse than another. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. Let me read that last part of the scripture again. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge in the image of its creator. So what does this mean to be a new person? Taking off your old self, putting on your new self, what does it mean to do that? Because we might still look the same physically. We might still have similar thoughts, feelings, or experiences. The author of Victory Over Darkness, again, Neil Anderson, he says it like this. 
Because so much appears to be the same, it is sometimes taught that our newness refers only to our position in Christ, like we early talked about. The newness is only what we have seen in relation to our position of righteousness and holiness and justification and positional sanctification, meaning how you have been changed from sinner to saint. I know there are a lot of big words in there. And then he ends with this quote. It says, that, however, would be like teaching justification without regeneration. That's like... Okay, you've committed a crime, and somebody else is paying your punishment, but there's no steps to help you actually engage back in community. If you're a Christian, you have struggled with this. I have struggled with this. Thinking and feeling the same things that we did. And for some of us, for years, for some of us, for decades, we feel the same thing. We sin in the same way, just like we did before we were saved. Can I let you know that you're not alone this morning? Like, when I say the word sin and the one that nobody knows, I know what, like, you know what comes to your head. You know the, the deepest, darkest parts of your life. God knows them, by the way, but you know them. And I want you to know that you're not alone in them. You're not the only one that's dealing with those kinds of things today, whatever they may be. This is actually quite normal. This is quite normal for the Christian life. And he still loves you. He's the one that's created you. Everything, don't treat habit and spirituality as two separate things. They actually go hand in hand. person where we live like our old person. But as you grow in your new person, it will take spirit instead of being led by the flesh. Ask yourself, if you know whether you're being led by the spirit or not, you still struggle with sin, but the sin bothers you. It bothers you. It causes to question your actions and your motives and your thoughts. This, my friends, is called Conviction which can seem like a taunting or scary word in our culture. We don't tend to use that. You know, we talked about being on trial, being convicted. We, we think of that as a bad thing. But in the biblical sense, the way that God uses this word, it's actually the best thing for you. It's the best thing for me. God convicts, but Satan condemns. The enemy wants you to believe that you are not a new person when you put your trust in Jesus, that you're never going to change because you keep dealing with the same sin over and over and over again. But God knows that you are a new person. Satan wants you to believe that you're not a new person, but God knows that you are a new person. Not that he's just making you a new person, that you are a new person and that you will become the person that he's called you to be through conviction. How do you know if someone's really following God? When they sin and they miss the mark and they, they, feel, they feel bad about it, sin should bother you. It should bother you. I, we live in a day now where woke Christianity and pro- progressive Christianity says, you know, it's actually not that big of a deal anymore. Like, I'm just, I'm just following hippie Jesus. It's all good. Just love and peace. Actually, God wants to rid the sin in your life. We can't stop talking about that. I'm not interested in not talking about sin in church. It's so important. And not that we should do it, but we should be sick of it. We should hate sin. We need to allow Jesus to transform us through following the Spirit to actually be grossed out by sin. Because here's the thing. Why would we sin? Because we like it. We wouldn't sin if it wasn't tasty. We wouldn't sin if it didn't look good. We wouldn't sin if it didn't feel like it gave us some like, uh, immediate satisfaction. We sin because it's, it's, uh, it feels like an amazing thing. It sounds like an amazing thing. It tastes like an amazing thing. But truly, you know that it never leaves. It never, it never leaves you feeling like you first did. You always feel awful afterwards. And if you don't, then I would wonder how close we are to Jesus. I know that's a bold statement, but if you don't feel convicted when you sin, I would ask the question, 
How close are you to Jesus? Because Jesus isn't okay with sin. He actually can't be anywhere near it. Point three I want to talk about quickly today as we close is how your heart changes. So answering this question, we've, we've asked this question, who am I? And we've looked at how God changes our position. Who am I? I'm no longer a sinner. I am a saint. Who am I? I'm no longer my old person. I am my new person. And today, I want to finish by talking about how he changes our heart. The scriptures explain our heart as the center of our being. And we know that through science, that's true physically, like you need a heart. Um, but it's also true spiritually. Jeremiah 17, 5 to 9, it says this, and it's titled, Wisdom from the Lord. This is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength, and turn their hearts away from the Lord. They are like stunted shrubs in the desert, who, with no hope for the future, they will live in the barren wilderness in an unhabited, salty land. And that's not like a land full of french fries, by the way. (laughs) But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worries um, by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. The human heart is the most wicked and deceitful of all things, and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Let me read that last part of the verse there. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things, and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? All through Scripture, we see this idea of living in according to God's will, purpose, and the identity that He gives us is taught through nature themes of nature. And just like how a tree will go tall and strong and produce good fruit, so will a life in accordance to living by the Spirit. But this is where most of us get stuck. So maybe you're here today or you're watching online, you're like, yeah, I know what Jesus did for me. I know he changed my position. I know that I'm a new person and I I put into the practice of, of, of renewing my mind every single day and putting on my new self. Maybe we know what God has done for us. We know all those things. But our struggle between what our flesh desires and what God desires is still there. A tree does not go tall, strong, and produce good fruit by trying harder. Have you ever looked at a tree and like really looked at a tree like over like 10 years and went, man, that tree's really trying hard right now. <laughs> it's like, mm, grow. That's, that's not what a tree does. A, a tree has two outcomes. It's watered. And it has sunlight, which causes it to grow deep roots, to grow tall and strong, to withhold storms, and produce good fruit. Or it doesn't have water or sunlight, and it dies. Two outcomes. It doesn't try harder. A tree doesn't try harder to be a bigger and better tree. So why do we treat our lives like that? Why do we treat our Christianity and our faith like that? If we just try harder, then I'll just be a better Christian. Let me take the stress off you this morning. Yes, it is about following what God has done, but it's not done in our own strength. You can't be who God made you to be by trying on your own. He just makes you that way. And you have to get close to the one who made you that way. It's not about making the choice to sin or not. It's making the choice to be close to Jesus or not. When you're close to Jesus, 
your desire for the flesh, it, it wipes away. Your desire to live by the Spirit it springs up. Our heart functions in a similar way like a tree does. It's wicked on its own. It doesn't produce any good fruit. But God actually gives us a new heart. We have, we have to have a heart transplant. And when we begin to water our heart, when we, give our, when we begin to give our heart sunlight, our roots of our faith and who we know and believe who we are because of Jesus, they grow really deep. So when a storm comes and sin comes knocking at the door and the enemy wants to remind you that you are not a new person, that you are not a saint, that he has not given you a new heart, if your roots are deep, your tree isn't going to fall over. This is where faith and trust come into play. And those two things are not as separate as you think they are, by the way. A lot of times in Scripture, they're used interchangeably. Neil Anderson, again, he says this, the greatest tension in the New Testament is between the indicative, which is what God has already done and what, he's all, and what is already true about us, and the imperative, what remains to be done as we respond to God by faith and obedience in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me read that again. In the, the greatest tension in the New Testament is between the indicative, what God has already done and what, he's or, what is already true about us, and the imperative, what remains to be done as we respond to God by faith and obedience in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not by faith and obedience on our own strength as we try harder. It's we respond to God by faith or trust and obedience by the power of the Holy Spirit. You have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead living in you. When you begin to get close to Jesus, when your spirit gets close to Jesus, you will begin to live by the spirit, not by the flesh. I want to conclude today by asking this question again, who am I? And by no means do I want to convey again that this 30-minute talk or so, it's probably longer because you all know me, <laughs> is the full answer to this question, who am I? And that all your worries and your troubles and the things you've been struggling with your whole life about identity is answered. But I believe that God's word, if we were to listen and glean from it today, something has awakened and awoken in your spirit. Our position, your position, has changed from sinner to saint. So let me ask that question again. Who do you believe you are, a sinner or saint? Who do you believe you are, your old person before you knew Jesus and trusted in him or the new person that he's making you and made you to be? It's this already not yet kind of idea when we think about sanctification. And is your heart aligned with God's heart? It's the most deceitful thing that's part of us. We need God to remove our old heart, put a new heart in. We need that transplant. So this is a nice talk. And uh, it's cool to listen to something for 30 minutes and be like, wow, okay, cool, yeah, that was nice, good scriptures in there, but how does this apply to our life now? Like, so what? What now? What do we do? This season, COVID-19, which feels like it's a never-ending season, <laughs> right? It's like no other that we in our generation has experienced before. And this past year, there has been some extreme changes in our life. COVID is it affected us physically, financially, mentally, and spiritually. Every single part of our life has been altered. But there is one who hasn't changed. Our scenarios have changed. Our health may have changed. 
Our finances may have changed. Our spirituality and our faith may have changed. But you know who hasn't changed? God hasn't changed. He hasn't changed. No matter what this last year has looked like for you. And maybe you're watching today and you haven't been to church or a service in a long time. And you're like, oh, I just don't fit in anymore. Or, or it, maybe I want to speak to the students for a second. Maybe you're a student and you're like, yeah, I used to go to youth group. And now I don't go to youth group anymore. And maybe you feel ashamed of that and you feel like you can't make the choice to come back and be a part of things. Let me, let me crush that idea for you. God loves you so much and I love you so much that that's not even a thought. It doesn't cross my mind. It doesn't cross my mind of like, I can't believe so-and-so isn't coming to church anymore. I'm going, man, I hope that they know today that God loves them so, so dearly. So if you're watching this morning, no matter what this last year has caused you in making decisions or it's affected your life, God has not changed his opinion about you. His opinion isn't subjective, by the way. He hasn't changed. If you're here this morning in the room, a couple people from the team and and all those watching online, and you consider yourself a Christian, you're like, yes, I believe in Jesus, I, I follow, you are a saint. You are a new creation. He's given you a new heart. So I want to close today by taking a few moments to reflect on this past year, and I want us to ask a couple questions. And now, I'm not somebody to say that if you just have more faith, then everything will change in your life. I've had too many experiences and friends um, where some real awful things have happened and people have just been like, well, how much faith did you have? And I went, oh, wow, that <laughs> doesn't seem very gospel-like. So I'm not saying that today, but what I am saying is I want us to take just a few moments before we close and look deep, 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 deep in our heart and ask ourselves these questions. I don't want you to answer them in the room. I don't want at home. I don't want you to blurt out the answer. Don't need to lift up your hand. I want you to just read the questions on the screen and think about them or answer them if you ha- feel like you have an answer in your head. first question that we asked today was, who am I? And I want you to ask the question, am I that person now or has something changed? Am I that person now or has something changed? Maybe there's something this past year in COVID that's, that's caused you to change from who you thought or said you were a year ago. What parts of your life led you to believe that? So maybe you're like, oh, I just don't feel like a very good Christian anymore, and you're having a bit of an identity crisis, and you feel like something has changed. What changed? Like, like go back on the roadmap and look at the history over maybe this last year and ask yourself, what parts of my life have led me to believe this? Then I want you to ask this question, and, and this is where it's going to sting a little bit. Have I personally sat with God and listened to who he says I am? Have I personally sat with God, not a small group, not coming on a Sunday, not youth group? All those things are good, and we should do them. By the way, I'm not speaking down on that at all. But have you personally sat with God and listened to who he says you are? Not when the preacher talks about it for half an hour on a Sunday. But have you, in the past year, if you're struggling with this question, who am I? Have you sat with God and asked him that question? Then I want you to ask a few more questions. Have you chosen to put on your new self and renew your mind every day? Have you made that spiritual practice a habit in your life? And when you begin to, if you haven't already, it's going to feel really hard and really weird. But the result is really good. 
Do you choose to put on your new self and renew your mind? Is your heart aligned with God's heart? So when you find yourself in situations where you're living in the flesh and you're, you know, you're tempted and you're giving in to sin, and we all are like that, by the way. I'm not speaking to anybody specific. Like We all deal with that all the time. Is your heart aligned with God's heart? Sin breaks God's heart. Does it break your heart? Two more questions I want to ask you. How deep are your roots? How deep are your roots? Do you have friends or family or leaders or mentors around you that help water you, that help give you sunlight so your faith can grow deep and strong so that when temptation comes and you're asking that question, who am I, your tree isn't blown over. How deep are your roots? Do you give yourself water and sunlight? Let's take a moment to pray as we close today. Jesus, thank you for this moment. Thank you for this moment to speak, Lord. Thank you for your word. God, I pray through the mumbling and God, that your word has gone forward. That, Lord, as people, the few in the room and all those watching at home, Lord, would there be a sense of conviction in this moment? Not so that we would just feel guilty and feel bad about it, but because it's what causes us to actually know right from wrong. It's what causes us to go, okay, I'm going to do this instead, Lord. I'm going to follow you instead. So Holy Spirit, I just pray, Lord, would you convict me in this moment? God, the things in my life that are not right, the places where I haven't let you in. God, where I've abandoned you or turned my back on you. Holy Spirit, I ask you to just to convict me in this moment. God, help me have strong, deep roots. Lord, remind me of who I am. And Lord, I echo the same prayer for everyone tuning in right now. God, remind them that you love them, that they are a saint, not a sinner. They're not captive by their experiences. God, that they are to take off their old self and put on their new self to renew their mind every day. And God, that you've given us a heart transplant. Lord, let our heart break for the things that break your heart. Amen. Well, I don't know how to end today because I know this is a bit of a heavy talk, but I felt like it was necessary, and I know I went way too long, (laughs) but it was online, so that's okay. I want to encourage you that if you're watching today and you're like, this is awesome, and the one thing you feel like you're missing in your life is maybe not the you know comprehension or understanding of of your position being changed or your person being changed or your heart being changed but maybe you're like I feel like my roots have gone a little bad I feel like I don't have deep roots and this year has affected me in that kind of way I want to I want to let you know that every pastor on staff every leader that's a part of Bethel Church that our, our desire is, is for mentorship. Our desire is for family. Our desire is for connectivity. And so if that's the one place you feel where you're like, I just, I just feel like I've been missing that out. And, and lockdowns and COVID has made that so difficult for so many of us, myself included. Let me remind you our commitment as a church to you today um, that we, we really, 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 really want to be connected with you. So um, there's a few ways that you can do that. You can go to our website, BethelStratford.org. At the bottom of every single page, there's a button that says Connect Card. You could click that card, and you could fill out this tiny little uh, Google email sheet kind of thing, 
and you can get connected directly with a staff member right away. And we want to plug in with you, and we're not meant to do this life alone. We're not meant to do this life alone. So thanks for being here this morning. Thanks for tuning in. Um, thanks for making church a priority, this service a priority, and uh, thank you for continuing to be committed to God. We look forward to seeing you next week, and if you're part of a small group, then as well, okay? Peace. Have an awesome Sunday. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well.